wants to jump. 1,000 cars. Sir, you have a 1,000 cars. I don't think I'd attempt to try this stunt. Or we, we, we owe this horsepower to Uncle Sam. <laughs> Too many cars. Car. You know, roses would be... Uh... Like, I put my beer belly on it. Yeah. And you can't immediately tell somebody how many cars you have. You'll really give those uppity yuppies something to think about. Stay on the bar. Don't go yeah. off the bar with your Bronco. 1980 Volvo horns, what's right? Like, me, me. Yeah, the man's coolant. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I thought it'd be small. It's for a small car. And I'm like, yeah, but it's, it's still an automatic transmission. They're never going to be light. It's definitely going to have to crash. Starting off with Brad buying another car. That's the West. <laughs> Internet. You know, is this a Nigerian oil print? Uh, I also wish you drove a tan Camry. Anyways, anyway, that, that's har- a horrible, very horrible podcast content. Very inside joke. Welcome back to Auto Off Topic. What's up, Brad? Good evening, Andrew. Good evening, everybody. Yeah, and if you're in the car, thanks for the ride. Oh, that was bad. We should restart. Yeah, it was bad. Cut that no, out. That was good. I'm gonna it was leave very it. bad. Whatever. It's that came from normal. our Discord. Did it? It did. I missed that I one. Even, I even botched it even worse than that. It's... uh. If you're listening in the car, thanks for giving us a ride. Who said that? Because we're going to ban them. <laughs> the, the Skyless guy. Scott? You know, the Skyless guy, yeah. Oh. All right. Banned. Scott, you're banned. I mean, it kind of works because it's, it's his name, and I can just be like, yeah, it's the Stylus guy. You know, yeah, that guy. That's true. Yeah, he's, he's banned. It's a bad joke. I missed that one apparently. Yeah. So yeah, well, you should join the the Discord because he does make some epic memes of us. He does. <laughs> he does. This is this is very true. I I think the most recent one was the. No, you can't tell you. You got to join the the Discord. To yeah, find it. that's true. It was pretty good. We should actually share it on Instagram. But you're right. <laughs> You'll get it first and the context if you're on the yeah Discord page. While we're in so the mood, and, while we're plugging things, you might as well start right away with the plugs. Let's uh, also All plug right. parkedontheblock.com. That's right. That is the new aggregate for used car listings. Interesting used car listings that mm-hmm. we've started with our friends Bradley and Rick. So yep. hopefully uh, you can all go over there and read about some interesting finds that we found. All over the country and world for sale. So there's been uh, some Mitsubishi content, of course, but also all kinds of other stuff too. So people submit stuff through the website as well. Yes. Yeah. If you find something interesting that you want uh, to see a little story written on, submit that to the website and maybe we'll choose it to do one. If you have a car you're looking to sell, maybe if it's interesting, it has to be very interesting. But yeah, mm-hmm. interesting finds. So I wrote today about a, uh, a new, I think, theme article I'm going to continue to do. It's uh, ones to hold. So cars that I think are going to be exploding value-wise. So you can go over there and read my take today on a 1988 Mustang GT convertible. Because All five right, liter so- Fox body Mustangs have been stagnant price-wise for a few years now. And huh. you know it's a beautiful red over red GT convertible was like 16 grand and just name another V8 Mustang that you can get convertible for 16 grand. That's not a new edge car. So I think that they're, uh, they're on the up hopefully pretty soon. So by now or regret forever. I mean, they already kind of were, weren't they? Was that just the coops and, had and, uh, and the fastbacks? So LX coupes and fastbacks have gone up a bit. They're still not huge money compared to other cars of, of their like. Um, the 60s Mustangs obviously are through the roof. And for a any 289 hardtop car that's in like decent running driving shape is in the 20s. And they go up from there. Obviously, fastbacks are way more GTs, different packages, 
you know, you can get into six figures with the right options and packages on a 280, uh, 302 or 289 V8 AC, right car, right transmission, right brake options, convertible. So the fact that you can still buy what's essentially a similar performing, similar sounding, similar size and shape Mustang convertible from the 80s for 16 grand is uh, it's pretty good. You, you don't you can't touch a 60s Mustang convertible now for very rarely under 30 and it's usually not going to be a nice car. So like I said, they go from 30 to damn near 100 depending on options now. So it's crazy, but they're they're through the roof and you know, the 70s Mustangs, you know, Mustang 2s, notwithstanding, but pre-Mustang 2s, 70s Mustangs are way up value-wise. There's some Fox bodies that are six-figure blue-chip cars now, you know, like a 93 Cobra R, certain saline cars have been bringing six figures. So it only stands to reason that whole adage of a rising tide rises all ships, right? Raises all ships, excuse me. So mm-hmm. that would be something that I think that these kind of slept on Fox bodies are going to wind up going up a bunch. You know, it's that whole people who are in their forties and fifties, more so forties, I would say probably had high school parking lots full of five liter Mustangs. So now you you wanted one then couldn't get one. You buy one now, or you had one then you want another one to relive your youth. You buy one now they're going to be going up a ton. And just like, you know, we've seen with other cars like third gen Camaros and Firebirds or Conquest and Starions, they've, They've gone through the roof. We actually, did we talk about the $40,000 Darion last week? I think we may have. I think we did. Yeah. So we won't touch too much on that, but there is another one on Bring a Trailer right now that's going to be a probably decent money car because an 89 Fiji Blue, which is one of the most desirable of all the colors, and it's a, a really clean car. So watch that over Bring a Trailer or... Also, you can link through the article about that car on Parked on the Block as well. Mm-hmm. So that's my uh, my spiel on Parked on the Block. So go visit it. It's cool. We're enjoying it. I'm enjoying writing about cars, and I want to keep doing it. What else you got going on, Andrew? Well, after we recorded the last week's episode, apparently uh, there's a question on... Jeopardy specific to us. Okay. Sort of. Uh, these two friends grew up building model cars. And now they have a podcast. They are. Is that it? Or it wasn't Maybe. that related. Uh, I'll read it to you. Okay. And you can try to answer it. It's pretty hard. Probably okay. very hard for you. Okay. This Japanese automaker's first car sold in the U.S. was its Gallant, branded as the Dodge Colt. Mitsubishi. <laughs> it's like a, such a softball. <laughs> it's not a softball at all. Sure it is. Well, I guess they said Gallant, so Gallant makes it a real softball. Yeah, they said the name of the Gallant. I guess they just should have left out Gallant and said this Japanese automaker's first car was sold in the United States as a Dodge Colt. Yeah, they left because out that, Gallant, it would have been impossible. Because that would have weeded out all of the non-super nerdy car nerds. And it would have just been me yelling at my TV, no! <laughs> so how much was this question worth, Andrew, do you know? I don't know, actually. What's the maximum value on a question there? Well, it depends. The first round of Jeopardy is what? I think it goes from 100 to 500? And then the second round is double Jeopardy. Has it been subject to inflation? No, it's always been the same. The second round is double Jeopardy, so they double all the prize. So it goes like it jumps to like two hundred for the first level, and then I think a thousand. So you're saying all I need to do is get on Jeopardy and win a question about a answer a question correctly about a Dodge Colt, and I'd have enough money to buy a Dodge Colt. Yeah, pretty much. All right, I'm in. How much does Dodge Gold cost? It costs as much as this question and answer is $800. I like it. I shouldn't say that as the holder of Dodge Colts. I need to up the up the values. Interesting. That's a, that's a pretty obscure piece of trivia to be on Jeopardy. Incredibly obscure. I guess that's why it's on Jeopardy, right? Because 
it's supposed to be obscure, even though that is a, a bad answer. So who's the host of Jeopardy now? Well, it's Ken Jennings and Miam Bialik. That was an epic uh, pronunciation, Andrew. I think that's correct. Either Miam or Miam Bialik. I think so. it's Miam Bialik. That's that sounds right. Obviously, most famous for being on Blossom. Sure, I've never heard of that until you said it before the show. Well. I just wanted to get it out there that before we began recording, we had a conversation about where Miam Bialik is most popular from. And yeah. it's because she's theory, currently clearly. on a show doesn't mean she's not more well known because she was on a show originally. So, they have made a million episodes of it. It's in syndication constantly. But she's not on been any on given since day, the beginning. Has just, she? I don't think she has. On any given day, you can just turn on a third-rate cable channel. It'll just be on in the middle of the day. But I don't think she was on the show from the beginning. So I think that she's more well-known for Blossom. I doubt it. Because Blossom was the same situation yeah. in the 90s. It was on yeah, all the time. over 40. Okay. <laughs> it was on all the time, and it was on syndication forever. It was always on Nickelodeon or... Uh, the local Boston channel TV 38 or channel 56 or one of those shows was channels was always playing blossom over and over and over again. So I think that she's definitely more well-known for that. She might be more well-known currently because she's currently on TV, but she was very famous before she ever got on whatever that new newer show is. The, the theory show, the the, uh, big bang theory show. I never even knew she was on blossom. So She's, she, she's Blossom. She's the show's named after her I character. I watched the show. I don't know how you avoided it. I it's don't know. So strange. It, it didn't seem on. like a appealing show to me. Whether it was appealing or not, it was hard to avoid because it was always on. It was one of those shows that was I on guess. every channel all the time, much like the Big know. Bang Theory is now. Yeah, I mean, I listen, she's Seinfeld. on. Well, in '91, when I was ten years old, I wasn't watching Seinfeld. Sorry. Anyway, so she's been on Blossom, which was super popular. She's on The Big Bang Theory, which is super popular. And she's on Jeopardy, one of the longest running shows of all time. So it's a pretty good career, pretty good career arc, if you ask me. She's also on Jeopardy because she's like a Harvard graduate, like, you know, top of her class, like super smart person. But anyway, things I know because... I knew about her from Blossom in the 90s. I guess. Hey, listen, I, I, I'm i going to stand by my statement that I think that she was more well known for Blossom and she wouldn't even have the yeah, job. I think if you're over 40. Yeah, well, you're like a minute before it. So if you asked any like 20 year old coworker, they're okay. probably like Big Bang Theory. Well, first of all, I can't practice this discussion because I don't have a job. So my only coworker right now is you, and there's only a 50-50 split here, so it's not a good a good uh, sample size. Also, anybody who's 20 years old wouldn't know Blossom. No, they don't. That's what I'm saying. She's not more famous now because of Blossom, but she was well-known probably more so at the time than she is now. Her popularity then is higher than her popularity now, because right now she's a character on a show. Back then, she was the name of the show. Sure. I'd never even seen it or heard about it before. Oh. But anyway, gonna, things I'm, I have heard about, Dakar. Gonna, uh, before we get to Dakar, let me back up one more time. <laughs> that conquest I was talking about on Bring a Trailer is currently at 15-1, so it is going to be a significant price no matter what. So, What are the miles on it? Uh, not super low, 93,000, but hmm. it's actually, it's an 88 and it's Fiji blue. So it's, it's got all the right stuff. It's a well-maintained car. It's got all the modifications that it has are good. You know, it's got the D2 coilovers, which you need to put in these cars basically because there is no replacement shock absorber available. So coils is really the only way to, to maintain and upgrade them. Uh, the 88, 89 seats all split on the leather. So they changed the seats. Oh, the stock seats are recovered with like a 
uh, what do you call that material? The not suede, but Alcantara. Al- Alcantara. So they have a blue Alcantara insert with the black leather bolsters. It actually looks really good in the car. It has, you know, exhaust. It's got injector stuff. It's got all the all the right upgrades you'd want to do to one of these cars. So it's very cool. I'm into it. But yeah, it's at 15.1 right now with two days left. I, I think this thing here is going to hit 20 easily, which is strong money for a 100,000 mile car. Just the right combo, the right. It's got SHP wheels, which are the wider wheels. It's it's a good car. Anyway, Andrew, you started talking about Dakar. Yep. It's, it's over. over. 2023 version is over. Uh, unsurprisingly, NASA Alatia won in the Toyota. Yep. Um, Loeb had a heck of a run trying to come back. He ended up still being an hour behind, but after all the trouble he had beginning of the rally, he had like a five-stage winning streak. That's great. Which had only he had tied Ari Vatanen's record in like 88 or 89. A a five-stage winning streak and being only an hour behind the end is huge because on day two, he thought he was out of contention completely. Yeah. Yeah, they were they were way down. Yeah. Uh he drove the he drove that thing super hard, the Pro Drive Hunter. Yeah. Yeah. And cool. it was like the the other problem though too is basically if you win a stage, you're kind of penalized because you have to open the next stage. Right. So guys will purposely hang back and not win stages. Yeah, because they don't like, want to be out making the course marks yeah you don't want to be opening the road sometimes it d- depends on what you think is coming up like certain guys will play that game and audi had just a disastrous rally all they lost all three cars that being said it was the first the first showing for these cars was it not uh, i think they ran them last year the same car last year i thought it was a brand new car this year uh, maybe it's a brand new car with the hybrid. Yeah, I think it's pretty wild that they're able to run the hybrids out there. So that's cool. Well, and it wasn't even like they had some problems with the car, but both Petter Hansel and Low and um, Sains made some like really odd mistakes for such veteran drivers. Yeah, they just got caught out by a couple of dunes like they were following each other, and like one of them, like they're literally like a car length apart. And one of them rolled, and one of them like broke suspension. Well, I remember too that Sainz actually was investigated a little bit because his son Carlos Sainz, as well, uh, obviously also a race car driver, was out on stage and he helped him close the door. Did you see that one? Oh yeah, I saw the video of it. He like slammed the door shut. He wasn't supposed to touch the car. He wasn't supposed to touch the car at all. But obviously, like yeah, he wasn't thinking about the fact that. Closing the door is technically helping the team. Yeah. So they, they were able to. I didn't to, hear that, but yeah. I saw the video. Yeah. He, he closed the door in the car and then he was investigated because other competitors saw the video, obviously. And they're like, hey, you know, that's that's helping, you know, work on the car because it's up to the driver to get the door closed. But the reason yeah, they was stuck. Yeah. The reason they didn't penalize him was because they said it's clear that Carlos didn't ask him for help. And that it was just like a, such a quick thing that the driver didn't have any control over. Like yeah. the driver was getting in the car, putting his belts on, and this person walked up, regardless of whoever the person was. It happened to be his son, so obviously it's going to be a little bit more investigated. Probably, I but. thought they could. I thought you could have outside people help you. Like if they need to have the car righted, and I was out there shooting photos and I had yeah. a four by four, I could I could help them write the car. That's there are certain things you can and can't do, and I guess maybe closing the door is part of you huh. know working on the vehicle because you can't you can't make you can't do anything mechanical to the vehicle if you're not part of the team. I mean, the crazy thing was that he was following him, and so Carlos Sainz Jr., the Formula One driver, right, was following him, his father, in a helicopter, right, and they're like, oh, they're having car trouble, so they landed the helicopter, he got out, and was like standing there talking to him, right. 
That's how you know. It's so absurd. You have a lot of money because you could follow your dad's race in a helicopter. But I guess being the son of a WRC driver and being a Formula One driver, I I don't think money is something they think about very often. (laughs) No. I'm sure they have plenty of it. But yeah, the way I look at it is, you know, closing the door, I guess is mechanical. It didn't give any advantage. It, It didn't give any advantage, but... I can see where they would say it might, because if somebody's like strapped in, who all seatbelts in, can't reach the door, they'd have to unstrap all the seatbelts and I don't know, whatever. It wasn't, it turned out that the, is it FIA that's, that sanctions this? FIA, yeah. Yeah, so the FIA said, it's not a big deal. You can or obviously tell. AOC. I think, I think for the Dakar, it's AOC or something. I yeah. Because it's, it's like, a, it's another French governing body. Regardless, whatever they had said was it wasn't a big deal because obviously he didn't ask for help and it all happened so fast that he couldn't have stopped him from doing it. So it was just an incident. Yeah, it wasn't. It's not the end of the it world. It wasn't malicious. There was no malicious intent. It was just like one of those things like, all right, see you later, dad. Closing the door. Like I could see any one of us doing that in that same situation. And thankfully, the sanctioning body went along with it and did not penalize them for it because it would have been a huge penalty for that. And they already had enough issues that day because they were they were broken with uh, rear brake problems which they fixed on the side of the road which is super cool so I know that watching the coverage and watching Carlos Sainz driving that it made me want to pull out somewhere I have the uh, Tamiya Toyota Corolla WRC car yeah the Castrol sponsored like round headlight one so yeah I've got the B-Max uh, the square with the ST-165 one. Oh, the Celica? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. That's a cool one, too. But, well, the other one, the I was here talking about the Corolla. I have the Castrol liveried roundhead like Corolla, yeah. Oh, well, that's the that's the Laugh of Fate car. Yes. The yeah. one that broke on him <laughs> before, so he didn't win the championship. Yeah, there was, a, there was a cheat in that car, too, I think, if I remember correctly. I forgot what the cheat was. The Well, that was the Air bypass okay um but that was they didn't know it was a dirty car at that point it was the car had broken but mackinan had also driven the rear of the lancer into like those like nato like tank barriers they had on the edge of the road and like ripped the rear wheel off and wasn't allowed to continue because only three wheels so he had like enough points but not enough points to win the championship because it was just assumed that Carlos Sainz was going to finish the RAC rally and win. Right. Yeah. And the car broke like before the finish. Right. So that's racing. But yeah, I but have, I have a, that kit and I wanted to pull it out because a cast. But there's a video of it and they're interviewing Sainz like during the rally and he kind of chuckles and they call it laugh of fate. Okay. I, I kind of remember that story, but it's so. I'll send it to you after the podcast. Yeah, I don't remember it. But anyway, now I definitely want to build that car. (laughs) Because I really only pay attention to the cars and the bikes. I'm like, eh, kind of not that into that. But there are a lot of Americans running the T3 category and T4, I think, which is is the side by sides. But they're they've definitely evolved from the normal side by sides. Like they a few years ago, they were running like kind of normalish side by sides, and now they're like more like buggies. I think. Yeah, they're pretty cool, actually. I'm not a. We've mentioned quite a few times on this show that I'm not a huge side by side guy, but they're pretty cool. They so seem like the perfect kind of setup for a desert event like that. So lightweight prototype is T3, but um, yeah. So bikes, a number of American riders. Yep. Uh, Mason Klein. Do you see that kid? He's like 20. 21 he's young i I did he crashed though did he not very close to the end he didn't get to finish yeah which is unfortunate he was riding really well he's a honda like the top he was in the top three at one point but in the top 10 when he crashed out with like a stage to go which is a bummer yeah so watch that kid because he's gonna be back he's young ricky brayback crashed really early former winner in like 2020 and an american as well in an American. Um, there's a 
couple other ones that I didn't really see too much coverage on, maybe because they didn't do as well. But anyways, the overall winner was uh, Kevin Benavides. I think it's how you pronounce and, it. Yeah. Yep, it is how you pronounce it. Uh, Toby Price and Skylar House with his epic handlebar mustache. Yeah, interviewing him after the event, he was ready to be in a 1920s gangster film. Yeah, like I, they showed the the picture of him, and I was like, "Who is this guy?" Yeah. <laughs> I was like, "Where do they dig him out of?" Yeah, like, well, he's he was a privateer before, I think, right? So he was kind of yeah, he was fast, but he never had the budget to be top three or five. And yeah, he, he got, stepped out of a time machine. He was riding his 1903 Harley. Yeah, with a leather helmet. He got picked up by Husqvarna this year, so and he was able to uh, capitalize on some extra cash and be in third place, which is pretty good. So another which I hadn't heard much about Husqvarna in a long time. Usually it was like KTM, Honda, or like the two big teams battling it out. Yep, yeah, Husqvarna's kind of, I think they're making a bigger push now to be more relevant again. I mean, they they were hugely relevant years ago and as far as dirt bikes go, but they've kind of fallen off a little bit. Is it, are they an American bike? Husqvarna is Spanish? German now? Um... I think the name has Obviously, been found in Sweden, and I think they might be in Germany now. I may have to look this up. They're definitely European. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, I wasn't sure. Obviously, KTM is Austrian. Honda's okay, Japanese. Okay, KTM is Austrian. Then Husqvarna is Austrian now because KTM and Husqvarna are the same company. So oh. I know KTM bought Husqvarna maybe. Uh, I don't know when they bought them. Oh, that's interesting. But they did. They bought them recently. Hmm. So, yeah, I don't know when. I'd have, I'd have to look it all up, which I don't know, does not make for good podcast fodder. But yeah, so no, they, yeah, they are Austrian. I was correct. They are from Husqvarna, Sweden originally, and they are owned huh. by KTM. So weird. But yeah, I know I that that's some, like some of the most valuable like seventies dirt bikes are Husqvarna's. So I don't know what well, happened after that, but yeah, I guess, uh, you know, advertising is advertising. Yeah, no, it's cool. So I know that the new Husqvarna street bikes are really rad um, and they have KTM engines and they're pretty cheap. So, oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, I've been for a while now before I got laid off, I was really in the the I need to buy a new motorcycle kind of camp. And obviously I was looking at the Royal Enfields, but I was also looking at the Husqvarna's. And actually I only really learned about them thanks to our discord and talking to our, uh, our friend Steve on there who introduced me to these bikes and the Husqvarna, I think it's called the Fitbillin. It's almost like a seventies cafe style. Super cool bike. It's like 5,800 bucks. And it's 400 cc's, but it's a 100 mile an hour 400 cc bike. Whereas the Royal Enfield 400 cc bikes are like 70 mile an hour bikes. So it's a big difference. Well, this makes sense now that he would be so successful on the Husqvarna because they built upon KTM. all the experience KTM yeah. already has in the Dakar. So it's not like you really got on like a new bike for Dakar. I think it's a different bike. It is, yeah. I'm saying, yeah, that's what I'm saying. But I'm sure there's shared engineering there. You're not like they didn't go into this blind. Hmm. BMW owned them for a little bit. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, there's there's a lot. They they've <laughs> they were owned by Kajiva. They're owned by MV Augusta. They've been owned by KTM. Hmm. So, well, that's cool. Yeah, we'll have so, to. Uh, Dakar's over. Uh, we've got Daytona 24 hours coming up. Then Daytona 500. You know, yeah. I've been seeing a lot on social media this week. 
never really occurred to me because I couldn't really go before, but Tokyo Auto Salon? Yep. A lot of cool stuff. Yeah, very and cool. I think I think why we're seeing everybody go is because Japan recently lifted their COVID restrictions and allowing first year tourists again. Yeah. Yeah. In a few years, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. That's definitely something I'm putting on my list. Interesting about going there. Well, I'd love to go to Japan in general, but it will be certainly a to time it was something like that would totally be worth it. I know the big car everybody's talking about from Tokyo Auto Salon, obviously, is the Liberty Walk F40, which is oh, I'm into it. A very polarizing car. I'm not into it, and I'm not into it because I'm mad they caught up an F40. Because I'm not, I don't care. You know what I mean? It's a multi-million-dollar car. It's there's tons of them left. If one gets cut up, one gets cut up. But I just don't think that the style works because the F40 is a slab-sided car from the get-go. And these like big bulbous fender flares to me don't make any sense. I think they look so. perfect on it. They totally match the shape of the car. Yeah, I, we're going to agree to disagree on this one. They're I not they're round. Fun. They're like box flares. Kind of. Kind of, sort of, but not. I, I think they're too round. The car is square. The flares are too round. I'm not into it. But it's fine. And that's it's not it's not built for me anyway. I mean, I can my opinion is I don't like it, but my opinion doesn't matter. So don't own it. Didn't build it. Nothing matters. I can't think of any cars top of my head that were huge hits there this year. Right. One of the big things was a bunch of American stuff. Yeah. Uh, Pandem wide body people did a bunch of F body stuff. They did first yeah, and second cool. gen Firebirds and Camaros, which yeah, they look really good. They do look really good as much as I don't want them to. <laughs> Those Nobody's really going to do them here. Oh, somebody will. You yeah, know, hold but... I saw that Pandem Corvette at SEMA, and there's a couple of those in this country now. So that's yeah, cool. Yeah, that looks good too. Yeah, it looks really good. So there certainly are some good ones. And what I like, I think, what I like, I think about the Pandem cars versus the. Liberty Walk Ferrari is that they call back to 60s Trans Am cars. So it it really works. But I'm into it. There's a few other things that came out, but top of my head, I can't remember them. But well, the F40 looks like a Gundam or something, but it already, the car already looked like that to begin with. Yeah, I just don't like it. It's not for me. So I, I can talk about all day long why I don't like it. I told you my reasons. But I'm not going to harp on it because it's not for me. But yeah, I definitely would love to go to Tokyo Auto Salon. It looks like what you'd think SEMA would be. Yeah. But I'm way into it. Plus, there's all the car stuff you can do because everybody's over there. Like, go to Ebisu, you can go over to Scuba. Yeah, it's like going to Monterey during Car Week. Yeah. It's the time to go. So. Plus, Japan looks pretty pretty in winter yep yeah i'm into it it's definitely a bucket list thing it's not gonna happen anytime soon but a few years maybe we'll see it next year probably not but we'll see who knows maybe you can go next year i'm probably not gonna go next year i probably will i'm gonna try but yeah Racing off season is almost over. It doesn't feel like it ever really happened because of rally stuff. So that's cool. We have NASCAR coming up soon. You mentioned Daytona 24 coming up soon. You mentioned. So that means that once those two races happen, it's full on auto racing season again. Well, I think they're doing the, they're doing the clash again. I think they are. It's going to be the same place like LA Coliseum. I saw that the, they announced the, to quote unquote halftime show. Yeah. So I don't remember who it is. It's somebody who I don't enjoy their music. So I forgot already. It's a name I know. I don't know. I don't want to say and be wrong. So I won't. But it's uh, along the vein of modern music that I don't love. So we'll just ignore it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why they. I, don't know, I liked when they did the road course, but 
Daytona. Uh, Wiz Khalifa is performing this year. That's who it is. Yeah, I know the name. Don't know the music. Maybe I do. Yeah, I don't think I do. But again, they're trying to get that younger, hipper crowd to be in NASCAR. So I I get why they're having younger, hipper artists to be at the event. Well, that's why it's in L.A. Oh, for sure. For sure. I'm sure if you're under the age of 25 and live in L.A., they probably give you a free ticket. Yeah, nobody wants to go to Daytona in early uh, or late January, early February when it could rain and be cold. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's in L.A., and they give you under 25 free tickets, and they say, go there and look pretty. Make NASCAR not seem like a good old boy sport. By the way, we'll bring Wiz Khalifa, and then people go. So I kind of wanted to go this year, but it's just not going to happen, unfortunately. Again, well, that, that whole lack of employment thing is really squandering my travel plans. That's the thing. Right, you, you, well, you have a job, you don't have time. You don't have a job, you don't have money. <laughs> well, anyway, since you've been home lately, what have you been doing to your cars? So I think we talked last week about the Corolla's battery situation. Yeah. Uh, had I started the car yet? I had not, right? I don't remember. Sure, you got to do battery for it. Okay, I got to do battery for it. It I was very expensive. In. $200, almost. Car started right up. I drove the car all week long. Fast forward to yesterday, I get in the car. It's been parked for maybe 26 hours or so. I go to start it. It does the same clicking noise it did before. The same, like, dead battery sound. So I pulled out the meter. It's 12.6 volts, so it's got enough juice to start the car. I really doubt that the battery is bad this time. Maybe it is. Maybe I should take it out and have it tested somewhere else. Maybe there's some kind of weird draw that's killing the battery in that way. I don't know how that would work. I'm not that familiar with the battery technology itself. So I put the thing on a charger, and I charged it for 24 hours, and went to start it, and still nothing. So... I think there's a different problem now. So now it's time to really start digging into it. It's weird that it ran just fine for a week and now won't start again. But if maybe I jostled the ground around enough that it started when I was working on things and eventually it moved around, now that ground is not making good contact, maybe? Kind of? I, 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 really, I really don't know. It doesn't make any sense. So I'm going to go through the grounds in the car. I haven't had a chance yet just because it's been it's been busy. But I need to go through all the grounds and make sure everything's got nice, clean connections and there's no strange issues anywhere. The first thing I did last week was I cleaned the battery terminals on both the battery and the connectors into the car with... Uh, not battery acid. That's the opposite of what we're doing here cleaning off the battery acid with uh, baking soda. So baking soda and water mix cleans that up really nice. So I know all those connections are good. So I'm just going to need to go through the rest of the grounds in the car, I guess. You know, the ground that runs off the battery strap right to the fender well. Check the ground specifically that goes from the starter to the frame. And those are probably the two most important ones. Maybe the power lead that goes from the battery to the starter. So... I mean, I can't think of anything else to check. Can you think of anything else that would be, Andrew? Or is just grounds going to be the starting point? Yeah, I mean, I checked the grounds. I checked the positive connection at the starter. Obviously, the battery disconnected. Yeah, of course. The problem is getting to the starter of this car is a nightmare. Which is frustrating. It's tucked on the driver's side of the engine block. But it's behind so it's it's squished in between the firewall the driver's side engine mount and the exhaust manifold it's like completely encapsulated inside there so it looks like the only way to actually get the starter out or touch the starter in any way is to probably pull the exhaust manifold off so 
I'm hoping I can at least get to the power leads to at least clean the connections and make sure they're still good without pulling the exhaust manifold off. But if it does wind up needing a starter, then that's going to be a, a job. So hopefully it comes apart because all these, obviously these seventies and eighties exhaust manifolds have been on for a long time. I did finish, however, rebuilding the shifter. Oh yeah. How'd that go? Cause I just started talking about that last week. I had just taken it apart. Uh, I went well. So it's obvious why it wasn't working very well. When I got the whole thing apart, there's where the shifter shaft goes into the base. There was like this pile of mud. And it turns hmm. out that that pile of mud used to be a plastic bushing. And it's what gives the shifter its feel in the transmission. So without that bushing, it had that, I think we talked about the spoon in a bowl of soup or mop in a bucket kind of feel. It wasn't very positive at all. So I got it all cleaned out. I cleaned up all the metal, cleaned up all the old plastic, cleaned up the whole assembly the best I could. The only issue I had is the shifter handle itself is two pieces. There's a wide black plastic part that comes out of the top of the booth, the booth, the boot, and the, boot. the boot, das boot. There's a wide blast. Oh my God. Let's try again, Andrew. Uh, <laughs> there's a wide black plastic part that comes out of the top of the boot. And it's what you see when you're sitting in the car. So it, it finishes it from being just a metal handle. Below that is the actual metal shifter that has the little ball on the end that goes into the transmission. The two pieces are a metal bottom shaft and a black plastic top shaft. And they're held together yeah. with a, looks like a brass kind of threaded rod inside the plastic. You need to take that wide black plastic part off to take the parts off of the shifter that you need to do it to re to re to rebuild the parts. So there's a spring in there and the spring has these two rubber isolators on it. And on top of that is a metal like seat that goes on top of the spring. But all of the holes on those are too small to go over that top black plastic shaft. I couldn't for the life of me get these things separated at all. Finally, I resorted to vice grips. And I put a vice grip on the bottom of the black plastic shaft and the top of the metal shaft. And I got enough torque on them to spin the top shaft. So once I got it spinning, I just kept spinning it and spinning it and spinning it. And I was noticing that it wasn't getting any higher off the bottom shaft. So I was like, oh, that's interesting. So it turns out I didn't release the threaded part of the rod at all. What I did was I broke the inside of the black plastic shaft free from the nut cert that factory is installed in there. Mm -hmm. So the brass piece that threads onto the lower shifter shaft is fused to the lower shifter shaft, probably just from time and heat cycling and does not come off. Yeah. So unfortunately, there's no way to put it back together now either. So I was trying to think about the best thing to do. And I went to the part store and I got some two part epoxy. <laughs> the stuff that has the tube with like the twist bottom on it and you squeeze the plungers in and it mixes it together. Yep. So I took that and I literally filled the bottom of this black plastic shaft it went in like maybe four or five inches on top of the metal shaft. I just filled it with two part epoxy and then hit it on top of the shaft with a hammer and then let it sit overnight. All right. It's nice and, so nice and solid now. Oh, so, cool. Yeah, it did work. Will it ever come apart again? Maybe the same way, but time will tell, I guess. But unfortunately, there was no way to get it apart, and then there was no way to put it back together. So I kind of, I, I, I made do, but the car shifts great now. 
So it was weird at first because everything was so tight and new that the shifter wasn't recentering because the springs, you know how a transmission, like a traditional rear wheel drive transmission where the shifter cup is, it has the springs on the left and the right to center it. Yeah. So those springs were not as strong as the new bushings. So it wasn't self-centering. So you'd go from first to second and you go to shift to third and it wouldn't like do that nice flip itself to the middle and push straight forward. You had to on purpose kind of pull it to the right and push forward. But once I drove the car for a few days, it kind of broke in enough that it all worked well again. So now the car shifts like a brand new 1980 Corolla. So not the mop in the bucket anymore. No, no, it, it actually made such an improvement that the car drives a hundred times better. It's, it's super positive. It's super nice. Like it's not a race car by any means. It's still a Corolla, but it feels like a brand new Corolla. You know, it was, it was well worth waiting a month and a half for this part from Eastern Europe somewhere that uh, cost like $12 or whatever. And other than that shifter shaft issue, not be able to split, it was a really easy job. I think other than that one, if, if I took that one issue out, the whole job probably took two hours. And now that I know how it all goes together and comes apart, I could probably do it in 30 minutes. Like super easy job. So if you have an old rear wheel drive Toyota, I highly recommend changing out these bushings because it, it made a world of difference. I, uh, I was trying to avoid buying the $245 T3 short race car shifter. And I think I, I managed to avoid that. Oh, the only other thing I had to make myself was there was a gasket on the bottom of the shifter base and I couldn't find anybody had that in stock. So I just made one out of RTV, which is fine. It's not like there's a ton of fluid in there anyway. I think it's more to keep debris out. So, but yeah, no, the, the car, other than the fact that it won't start, runs great. Minor details. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's where I'm at. I have that car is not currently broken in the driveway. We did talk about the mere core last week. I have not touched that. Uh, unfortunately, Naomi had to have some surgery this week, so we've been dealing with doctor's appointments and surgery and all that stuff. So it's has been uh, not a lot of car projects to report on. But uh, she's doing good, though, so we're all good. <laughs> More important than cars. Health is good. So hopefully by next week I'll have the fuel pump in the Mercor and have an update there and have the Corolla running as well. So that's where we're at here. Project car wise, we're doing some scale cool. car stuff. So you can follow along with that over on discord. But yeah, I don't think we have much else. No, it's an episode today, Andrew. Yeah. Go follow uh part in the block. We've got it. Part of the block.com. Obviously you can go see all the blog posts. Uh, if you like to, you can follow part. It's it's like parked on the block, but missing the K. Yes, all one word on Twitter because yep. it doesn't fit. Right. Um, parked on the block on Instagram, and you can of course follow the podcast Auto Off Topic on Instagram, Auto Off Topic on Twitter. It's Auto Off Topic podcast on Facebook, but we don't really post there much because Facebook's kind of annoying. Just stuff just doesn't throw up. Uh, doesn't throw up. Stuff doesn't show up. So it's like kind of weird. But yeah, basically we, we just push our Instagram posts there, and that's about it. Yeah, just come follow us on Instagram. Just cut out Facebook. So uh, and then you can follow me on Instagram, Racinger. I am on Twitter, Racinger. Uh, and oh, there's Scale Autocast on Instagram as well. Man, we are just. I think all I stole over them the all media. from you. Yeah. Yeah, well, I stole right. them all from you. Well, I have my personal ones. I have uh, TSISS350. And uh, also, as of Parked on the Block being released, I am also on Twitter now. Oh. Yeah. You but, didn't even follow me yet. Yes, I did. Oh, you did? Yep, 100%. I guess I missed it. 
Well, I don't know how Twitter works. I think this is officially where I, I, uh, I transition from Dude, adult from, from adulthood to old manhood because I don't understand. It's been around since 2007, so right, and I never used it, and I'm trying to figure it out, and I can't figure it out. Do you still use hashtags? Doesn't seem like you use hashtags. No, you don't. Yeah, it seems not cool. So I don't know how people follow you on Twitter because I followed like 47 people and I have like three people that were like, oh, I'll follow this guy. And they're all people that like, should follow me back like you. So I guess I missed it. Apparently so did that. 40, 44 other people, apparently. <laughs> so I don't know. It is what it is. I, I don't I don't understand it. I think I'm uh, I've officially reached uh, too too grumpy to care. Um, I'm going to try to continue using it. I was I, I only joined to start pushing parked on the block stuff because I saw that stories that were pushed on Twitter obviously got more engagement on our website. But at the same time, I my stories that get pushed to Twitter get pushed to three people. So it doesn't actually help. So is what it is. I'll figure it out eventually. But yeah, I don't I don't understand Twitter. So you can find me on there as well. Um, also, I learned that you can't change your at name. So I'll hear at race and anger. And I created yeah. I created my Twitter account in 2009 in order to try to win Celtics tickets. So all it is is DeSantis underscore Brad. And I was like, well, I'll just re I'll activate that and start using it. And I'll change the name to, you know, match all my other no, stuff. That's fine. And it's like, nope, you can't change your at. You can only change your display name. So to find me on Twitter, it's DeSantis underscore Brad. So Gonna or, have that sweet SEO anyways. Yeah. I don't <laughs> probably don't have any SEO because even the people that I follow don't see me there. So, hey, it is what it is. I'll stick to my Instagram so I know best. So anyway. That's our socials. There's a lot of them now. Take the whole episode to find where to find us. Ready to close it out, Andrew? I think so. So, as always, keep cars analog and aim for the roses. <laughs>